0: we're so happy you, you're here welcome to the social slay hour i am on with grace i have a secret you guys grace and i went to high school together we went to all-girls high school and grace was very nice
1: <laughs> we went to high school, and we wore uniforms um, red and blue uh like checkered skirts and (laughs) polo shirts and
0: it was exactly what you thought tons of mean girls but there were tons of nice girls too so so glad that we were both nice ones
1: (laughs) definitely yeah i was always cool with you in high school yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) but tell us what you've been doing since high school tell us about you and what you're doing
1: Um, Mm -hmm. wow, that's a long time. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Well, I guess because I'm on, you know, so she slays this hour right now. Um, I guess I want to talk about being a, you know, a female as a person that is, uh, making moves for herself and especially making moves when she comes from a low income home that has um, few people that have education in, in higher, higher education. So that's kind of where I was coming from. So when I was in high school, I actually didn't think I was gonna go to college I didn't envision any type of career for myself. Um, I thought maybe I'd work at a store or something. I wasn't quite sure what I would do. Um, And there was a guidance counselor whose name is Miss McCanta, who um, I'm sure you remember, uh, (laughs) who pulled me out of class one time saying, Grace, your grades are just, they're not good. And, And what's going on with you? And I said, well, why would I, get good grades if I'm not really going to go to college and then she said well you're going to college and I was like no (laughs) I I don't think so (laughs) I said you know that's for rich people that's for kids who have parents that are going to pay for it all and um maybe uh I don't know like uh maybe college is sort of like a place for fancier people than I guess the humble family that I grew up in um, so, neither of my parents have uh, you know, college degrees um, or uh, my siblings, so I was thinking, am I gonna really be the first person? That's kind of scary. So, uh, this guidance counselor uh, worked with me to turn what was a report card that was around Cs and B minuses, things like that, up into straight A's so that I could bring up my GPA, nice and high, to get into uh, schools uh, of my choice. So I, I asked the counselor and I said, how can, how can I even go to college if it's gonna be so expensive? And she said, well, can I ask what your ethnicity is? And I said, well, my father's from the Middle East, so I identify as Arab American. And she, she said, well, there's a scholarship for that. And I said, oh, okay, I did not know that, that's awesome. And she said, well, your family, I know they're low income. Do you know that there's a scholarship for that? And I was like, oh, okay, wow, this is gonna this is gonna take me there. So I ended up getting a bachelor's degree uh, from the University of San Francisco. I didn't want to leave too far, yeah. <laughs> I'm from USF, uh, University of San Francisco was a great school, um, I finished in four years and I studied psychology and I minored in Spanish. And that's how I got fluent in Spanish. So um, that's a really important thing to me because I use Spanish with my, um, in my job every day. Um, almost uh, 70% of the clients that come to my mental health practice are uh, monolingual Spanish speaking. Um, so that's a really uh, wonderful tool that I got out of college. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, right at the end of college, uh, I thought, well, after this, I'm going to be a therapist, right? And I'm going to help people, and I'm going to see them change, like butterfly effect, and they're going to change their lives around. And the professor told me, oh, no, no, no. You need more, you need more than this degree to become a therapist if you really want to help people. And I said, oh, really? Well, what kind of jobs can I get just doing just with a bachelor's at least um, and he you know this professor he said grace if you want to become a real licensed therapist that can work with people who are going through some stuff and bring them out of it you're gonna need at least a master's degree or a phd and i was like oh man <laughs> i was like no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that was that was what was real for me that was that was my experience was oh my god more school Uh, how am I gonna make it and so uh, I took a year off um, to work in a store I worked at Bloomingdale's in downtown San Francisco Uh, I enjoyed my time uh, off of academics (laughs) um, and I also like enjoy selling like uh Armani clothes and all, you know, the princess cake cake and it was a fun time. And then I, I applied to get a, a master's degree to go to school and I ended up graduating with a, a master's degree in counseling psychology. And uh, in that program, I started an internship uh, collecting three, uh, on my way to collect 3,000 hours of mental health uh, services um, that I needed to have in order to take a license exam. Um, so basically I started an internship at a counseling center and, you know, one session at a time, one client at a time. Uh, Yeah, And it was really long. (laughs) It took me a long time and uh, a lot of those things were not paid. So I had to hustle on the side. I had to come up with ways to make money, you know, and, uh, it wasn't easy. And there was times that. Even I can be honest, even when be really real with everybody, there was times when I had to go and use EBT because I was a graduate student that was broke and hungry. So um, that was real for me. And that's also part of my story of becoming, you know, a female entrepreneur is you have to, you have to put in some sweat and you have to fight a bit. Yeah. I did too- know that
0: you wanted to... Face those battles and really like. I got my bachelor's and called it quits. I couldn't imagine going to more school. How did you, after taking a year off and finding a job, being able to sustain yourself with Bloomingdale's? How did you decide? Okay, you know what? I'm going to go back. I want to go back and get my master's and really take this on and really move forward.
1: You know, it took a lot out of me. It took uh, a lot of. Uh, thinking, a lot of reflecting, um, a lot of uh, kind of piping myself up, having to be my own cheerleader, my own coach to say like, Grace, if you want to go and do that job, you need to just get your butt in the school. Okay. Because, um, and just get in and get out. Just, just, just get in and get out. You don't have to, you know, live there, but just get in and get out as fast as you can. Um, The goal is to help people and to work as a therapist. Um, uh, in, a, in a mental health capacity so it it really took a lot uh to push myself especially because i was quite tired after 4 years of uh undergraduate uh, school i was i was tired yeah
0: especially if you really it's so easy to not finish in 4 years it's so easy yeah. to just like lean back take a summer semester take a winter break like a session just to to finish in maybe four and a half or five. Oh, yeah. And so if you hustle and get it done in four years, especially nowadays, budget cuts and all these crazy things, and coronavirus, but get it done, man. I know you're exhausted. That's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I can't yeah. believe you. I can't. Well, I can't believe you did it. But, like, man, I don't know that if I... After taking a year off, I don't know that I would have been able to go back. That's that's amazing. So when you grad, so where did you go to get your master's? Back to
1: USF. Um, I went to a specialized psychological institute that's in the city of Berkeley. That's really close to Cal Berkeley's campus. Um, it's called the Wright Institute. Um, it's just a small institute that has a master's and a doctorate program for. Uh, psychology program so it's, it's very specialized school and uh, the school offered this pretty cool program that was basically one weekend a month you would go for all, all day friday saturday and sunday and you would put all of your classes in this, in this marathon weekend and then you would go home with a ton of work to do the rest of the month but it made it so I could work full time and pay for an apartment where I lived alone with my cat and everything, you know, and, so I thought, you know, okay, this weekend program, it sounds good. It also sounds really intense, which it was. Um, it would be like, okay, we're gonna do this substance abuse class and we're gonna do it over one weekend, and it would just be hours and hours all day um going through all the different sections of substance abuse. Um and then you would have like a project or a paper to do we do um afterwards um in the month following. So um that was a, a two year program. Um and then finally I like crawled to the graduation stage It's was like, Okay, that's that's all. <laughs> that's enough. Um and I was very proud to be um graduating with a, with a master's degree and I, I didn't you know I came from a place where I, I didn't even think I was going to go to college right so yeah it was it was pretty cool to to see myself there and say you know good job Grace like it, yes. you know give yourself of positive feedback that's really amazing especially coming from
0: where we come from the Bay Area is an amazing place you can be surrounded by all different cultures, all different kinds of people, people that come from all different levels of wealth and lack thereof. And so it's so amazing that knowing that you're low income, you had no idea of going to college, you weren't even like trying, you weren't focused in school, like high school, you're just like, "I, I I don't even care to getting your master's and becoming a licensed therapist which is amazing that's just amazing how did you decide you wanted to open east bay or when did you decide to open east bay area therapy
1: and Mm. how did you decide you wanted to start that well um i took some you know after i graduated i i got right into a job uh working in east oakland um working with severe uh, mental health issues in the Latino community. So most of my services were provided in Spanish. Um, and this, uh, I, this involved me working alongside psychiatrists who also prescribed medication and I did the therapy side of it. Um, would go to psychiatric hospitals and would go visit them there and try to keep them out of the hospital. So this was a group of um, clients that were, uh, they had more severe symptoms that sometimes landed them in psychiatric hospitals you know, and and a lot of it was quite challenging for them to um, maintain a job or um, uh, sort of a a day-to-day life um, with responsibilities. So um, I worked there for, um, I don't know, a couple of years and kind of went up in the totem pole and took on more responsibilities there. And I got really good at my my job and um, I enjoyed it a lot. There was always... um, you know, and working in East Oakland uh, is—you know—there's a lot of action that happens. It was in the the neighborhood of Fruitvale, so. Yeah. Um- you know it's just a it's a bustling area um it can be quite dangerous as well um and um there's people with severe mental illness who are coming in and out of our clinic in the in the middle of this you know uh neighborhood that's quite dangerous and then there's fruit stands everywhere and um, <laughs> coming from everywhere from somebody's car and um, so it was a lively place to work it was fun um, but it was also um quite taxing emotionally Um, a lot of these clients didn't have uh, families uh, to support them they didn't have the financial help to get them maybe a higher level of services that they needed or um, a better place to live, things like that. So, you know, I I took a a lot of social work duties on like take helping somebody find a room to rent, you know, or um, helping somebody go to the food bank to get some food. It helped me because as coming from somebody that was low income, those things weren't foreign to me how to navigate getting um, ebt for example i was like oh i already know this (laughs) so i can go ahead and help you along and show you Um, that is so
0: amazing especially because oftentimes people assume that therapists and people that can help them have no idea where they're coming from and and have come from these backgrounds where they are they have a leg up or have have had a silver spoon and can easily fall into their work versus coming from an actual place where i understand where you're coming from and i can actually relate with you and help you
1: get Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a, a good therapist will have done her own therapy and will continue to do therapy periodically, you know, to just work on oneself. So I would 100% agree with what you just said, Danielle, of just believing that looking at a therapist, if they look a certain way, you just think, they haven't been through anything they'll never understand me they don't know what suffering is they don't know what struggle is um they just don't look like it so i think there's a certain um a certain realness that i use with my clients um i don't use any fancy language i speak with them you know as using their own language their own style um and I try to be very down to earth and and open to uh, selectively open about some things about me, so it can be uh, make them feel comfortable and in good company as well. Man, that
0: is pretty crazy. You do have to be selective. I mean, in any situation, you should be selective on what you share about yourself, anyway, because yeah. you don't want to tell just anyone personal things about you that may. They may take it and run. You never know. But I'm sure in your line of work, you have to be even more careful and you have to be even more open and guarded.
1: Yes, Um, it has to. You have to be very careful about judging the situation if it's appropriate Mm -hmm. or not appropriate to share information. Yeah. So anyways, I, I took that job and then I, I got a better paying job, uh working for the county of Contra Costa in um their outpatient mental health clinic in Antioch or Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, uh, California. And uh there I worked further with severe mental illness, but a lot of the uh folks had co occurring uh drug or alcohol addictions. So um It was a substance abuse and mental health issues um, clinic. And um, also a lot of the clients had criminal uh, records as well. Um, So it was uh, high intensity uh, clients, a a lot of working with the homeless on on basic needs, getting their food, getting a shower, getting some toilet paper, um, things like that. and Doing a therapy inside of a, a tent or on a park bench, or because I would have to drive and find them, you know, I, it's not like they could get a ride to the clinic and, and come into a nice therapy room, I would have to go drive around and Oh, there they are. Okay, on the on the, on the dock or on the on the corner. Okay, it's time for our session. So wow.
0: that's <laughs> yeah. not a whole nother definition to meeting someone where they are. Yeah. Man, and it just gives you a sense of the work you're really doing and the impact you're making because, you know, the people that are homeless face all kinds of obstacles, just being homeless. And then the world throws a bunch more stuff on them. And then they may be dealing with these mental health issues and substance abuse issues that you're mentioning, which just like take things over the top. A a normal, I wouldn't say a normal person, but the average person, quote unquote, like myself, wouldn't even know what to do with all of that. Like, mm-hmm. I would definitely need a therapist to help me. I'd like to think I would be able to reach out to get help and all of that. But, you know, those are some real issues. And those are some some taxing problems and obstacles that, like, it takes real guts and cojones, for lack of a better word, to take a moment to try to work through those with someone with someone and be vulnerable to share them with
1: the therapist. That's amazing. Definitely. Um, A lot of working with homeless people is establishing credibility um, because they know you're not homeless. They know you're not in the, you're not in the community. You're an outsider um, coming into their community, which is a whole community. Um, And you really have to establish that you're trustworthy because um, a lot of homeless people experience Crime uh, from others uh, on a regular basis. It's hard to trust people. They, there's a lot of theft of of personal items from each other. Um, uh, also, there's you know the substance abuse issues that uh, influence a lot of that. Um, so, uh, gaining somebody's trust is usually my first step. is just to establish the rapport and build the trust, and then we can once once we can trust each other, we can start the, the deeper work so uh yeah and then uh i worked there and then i decided i missed my job in east oakland and i went back there um did some some other work with um a severe mental illness to crisis stabilization. So that was um, people that were coming in um, with the, the mental, acute mental health crisis, like maybe they're having attacks um, or somebody with severe depression um, who doesn't know where else to turn um, before they may call 911. Um, so this is sort of a crisis stabilizing uh, before it gets to like a hospital level. So I did that and then at one point, that I was also underneath the supervision of like multiple supervisors and bosses. Right. Um, In all of these jobs, I had like, my supervisor, and then the supervisor's assistant, and then there was another person on top of me, and another person, and there was expectations for performance, and to see this many clients a day, and sometimes it was too many, and it was just not realistic. And then you would come home exhausted, and, and then year after year of working in a way that was emotionally taxing, exhausting physically, i started to think, you know, what if I worked for myself? what if i said goodbye to having a boss that sounds cool but could i survive is this gonna take off would people even come to see me um what would be my prices what would i offer all of those things and so i had to sort of think about it uh, and come up with a plan my plan was uh, an outline of how i would come up with a, a private practice and um You know uh as i continue to work um you know there's a movie like i think there's a movie called like terrible bosses or horror i don't know it's something of that nature and it's just (laughs) because you know in a lot of these jobs i did have some terrible bosses and and i was uh you know following orders and, and commands and those kind of things and i i thought to myself you know i I think that I can do it on my own and I think that I I can do a good job and I just need to make sure that I have enough money in the bank to be able to make this jump into, you know, we we don't know. Um, We don't know if this is going to work out. So I found a little office and uh, it was like a hole in the wall. It didn't look very professional at all. Nothing (laughs) like the very luxurious office I have now. And it was $400 a month to rent. So I thought, okay, this is a really good deal for this little hole in the wall and I had a little waiting room and a bathroom, and, you know, everything. and And so I signed the lease and I started to go to, you know, places like Marshall's and TJ Maxx to get little things to decorate and (laughs) people feel comfortable. And, you know, and I started to feel really excited, really, really empowered, really excited. Like, this is mine. You know, you know, this is mine. I run this, you know, And, and I started to feel really empowered about it. And, um, you know, in my first month of of business, I uh, did the best I could to market, you know, I I didn't know how to do those things. Um, I was just trying to see if anyone would come to see me, you know, and sure enough, people came. I mean, a couple people, but people came. Um, And it was uh, really exciting. And um, I would be very nervous before all the sessions, um, you know, being honest, uh, because um, it was my business. So I thought, you know, I already know what I'm doing. I'm so experienced in this, but I, I would get nervous just because it was representing me. Um, and i wanted to do a perfect job i wanted everyone to feel like that was the most the excellent session they got so much out of it
0: that's amazing i think a lot of people find themselves i've actually heard a lot of people talking about this recently find themselves feeling the imposter syndrome when they like make a big change get a new job uh Mm -hmm. start a business that's amazing and it I think it's normal to feel nervous and good to feel nervous because one, it means you're excited. Yeah. You're happy. You're doing something new. You're, you're trying something new and growing in life. And then being nervous a little bit keeps you on your toes, right? Like you, you are on your P's and Q's and you pay attention to things
1: happening just a little bit more because you're, you're nervous, you know? Definitely. Um, I just wanted it to be perfect. I wanted everything to go perfect. And as I've learned as a female business owner, you will never have a perfect business. (laughs) Yes. You hear that, everybody?
0: Everyone's starting side hustles. Everyone's starting your businesses right now. It will never be perfect. So just start.
1: Somebody won't be mad at you. Even if you please everybody and you go above and beyond, which I try all the time, somebody's going to get mad at you and they're going to maybe yell at you. And um, I have had to learn that, that, you know, you cannot please everybody. And I have to be okay with that. You know, and I have to be all right with that. If somebody is un- unhappy or unsatisfied, goodness um, gracious, yes.
0: How do you, within all of this, this is stressful. This is yeah. stressful. Like, not only are you starting your own business, doing all these things for yourself, but you're also taking on other people's issues and problems that they're dealing with, and emotion. Just taking on their emotion in general.
1: How are you practicing self-care? That's a good question. So, because of my experience working with so many um, severe mental health issues and acute crisis I started to get really uh, familiar with working with people with severe trauma. So, traumatizing events um, and experiences that may have happened in childhood or in adulthood, and so I mostly specialized when I open in, in people with traumatic histories, and may, they may have PTSD or they may just have a lot of anxiety or depression from trauma. And uh, working in trauma work, you do take that on. Um, You know, you do hear some really sad or horrible things that happen to somebody. And, you know, you, you know, we're, we're all like a little sponge, you know, we all absorb the things around us. So, I think that uh in the beginning I did not know how to take care of myself. I have to be honest. I think I, I just worked, 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 worked and I and I didn't do self care and then I, I started to get really um feeling not burned out but toasty. Toasty around the <laughs> edge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not burned out but toasty. And um I like I- that. I realized that uh, I think I I think I talked to another therapist or a colleague and and said to me, what are you doing for self care and I was like nothing just to sleep and eat you know and they were like you got to do something add something remove something from your schedule and. And so now, um, you know, I'm, I'm a more of a big fan of, of self-care um, just because I want to last in my profession. And I want to, if I last, that means I'm going to help the most amount of people possible. Uh, I'm going to stay in business. Um, I'm going to enjoy myself. Uh, my health is going to be well. So um, it's an investment in, in myself. So these days, what do I do for self-care? Well, you know, COVID kind of interrupted a lot of my self-care. Uh, <laughs> I gotta be honest. Before uh, COVID, I would get a massage every month and that was really nice. I also enjoyed getting um, pampered, you know, like nails and done and things that are just for me, just for my own happiness. You know, uh, getting exercise is something that I tell my clients to do for their mental health, but I don't do it. So I must, um, I'm not the biggest exerciser, but I do know that it's, it's um self-care uh to really release some stress i'm experimenting with going walking now so um, (laughs) trying trying so yeah so uh those are some things i do i'm also somebody who has a, a big spiritual life you know i i um I work with clients of all religions um, and faith backgrounds, including people that don't have a a belief in God and things like that. Um, But in my personal life, I I have a belief in God and um, my own practice. And to me, that's really very helpful for me, especially um, when working with things that are just so heartbreaking when working with clients to have really trickier stories yes. um so that's when i turned my own spirituality and faith practice and that's I really think, important yeah yeah definitely so that really helps me um, on a day-to-day basis
0: goodness yeah. gracious i couldn't imagine not having faith and just dealing with worries of the world i have a spiritual practice as well um, and i think without it I'd be in shambles on a daily basis there's just so many things that are happening and just being able to release that energy in that way is amazing it's just something that you may not think it has that big of an impact but it really does it It really really makes all the difference yeah
1: and it I mean there's there's no kind of peace that you can find in in a drug in a drink in in sex in um, you know whatever is in the world that can make you feel temporarily better you know none of those compare to a sense of internal peace that comes from a spiritual place now that is my my favorite drug um, that is <laughs> the most uh, peaceful the uh, most tranquilizing yeah
0: Yes. Snaps for that because honestly, it's cleansing. It's so cleansing. You just pair that with a nice bubble bath and maybe a glass of wine. <laughs> You're absolutely set.
1: There you go. Yeah. Another thing that I think is uh, important in self-care is um, saying no. Uh, that yes. is one thing that is important because uh even though uh no is a small word it can really set boundaries with people that want to push yours or want to take a lot of your attention or your time um and that might be in your personal life you know it might be uh friends or uh relationships um people that want your time, that want your energy, that want you to give them a ride to the airport, that want to, you know, whatever it may be, it's saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just not available. I'm not available uh, and I, I apologize for that. Also in, in business, it's Grace, I, I I really need this appointment um, and I look at my schedule and I already have six people and I know I'm gonna have a long day Am i gonna really add this seven and i have to say i'm sorry but it'll have to be the following week because that's me taking care of myself saying no so those are the things as much as i want to say yes and please everyone that's going to run me into the ground you know. I'm oh my goodness.
0: yes that's something that i really um have started to implement this year i have always known the power of no and that you need to say no sometimes but this year I really put that into practice and really started stop or really started saying no more and stopped stressing out about other people's situations that would possibly ruin my schedule or add an extra weight to my day and and just really add stress onto me and I you know I'm like this stressed out Right. I say no and I feel better mm-hmm. and it's almost immediate and don't
1: underestimate the power of no you guys of <laughs> no, no is awesome yes and you know some people will push back on your no's. some people will say oh but please 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 oh come on come on come on and those are people that um, generally um, you know in psychology we notice that people that push back on your boundary are people that don't have boundaries for themselves so um, we have to keep setting the boundary repeatedly for them um, and that can be really hard especially if it's a family member member or somebody that's um close to you that's a
0: really good insight i hadn't thought about that before and that's really helpful in how to deal with people who don't have boundaries for themselves that's Mm -hmm. amazing what other tips can you give us tell us more
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i mean uh that's one of my insights i think is the is that you know what are your boundaries um in work in in dating um with your parents, um, with your relatives, um, uh, there are so many ways that we may have boundaries in some areas but not in other areas and I noticed that you can find somebody that will push your boundaries in any of those um, arenas and um, you know, I think that another thing that is helpful is sometimes people don't know they don't want to offend somebody by just saying no. Okay. It sounds mean sometimes. Um, so I always encourage my clients. I want you to come up with five different sentences that you can have in your mind that you can say no in those five different ways. Mm. It might be, um, so we'll write it down. We'll write it out. What's a way to say no number two, number three, number four. And so that way my client is already equipped. Um, with the tools to say at work, you know, I'm unable to take another project at this time. Um, right? That's a way of saying no without saying, "Oh my God, that's so, that's too much." Right? You know, you, <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, or um, you know, uh, perhaps it's uh, your mother that wants you to come over and clean her house and do a bunch of stuff for her and take her to get her medication and her errands and those kind of things, and you know, you just don't have it you don't have that available for you. So that's where you can come up with, um, you know, another different way to say no of a sandwich, right? So there's the bread, the meat, and then the bread. So usually um, I encourage people to start with a positive. I'm, I would love to help you. And I think that you're really valuable and you need help and I wanna be there for you, right? That's the first piece of bread. Then the meat is the no. I'm sorry but I'm unable to do it. I'm not free and I'm too I'm too busy. And then we end with um, a second piece of bread with and I really hope that I can help you find somebody that could perhaps help you with that or um, uh, let me know how it goes. Good luck. Um, I wish you the best. So that way you got that little sandwich um, and you served it to someone. (laughs) I like that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I do like that. I do you know, uh my mom always says along the lines of a little sugar or I Mary Poppins said it, a spoon a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. There you go. Sometimes you have to take in and in, and ingest in not good feeling medicine, but mm-hmm. if you add some sugar and uh make it pleasant, then it'll be okay. How can people find A licensed
1: therapist like yourself okay um well the first thing i always have i'm just honest with people the first thing i think of is how are you doing financially and that's going to tell us where we should probably turn to um so um, therapy, let's not lie, is very expensive. Um, classically, it's been used for the rich, you know, the wealthy. Um, and now there is therapy available at a lot of different, you know, income ranges um, that can be very affordable, um, free, um, or um, can be a sort of higher end and, and more pricey. So my first question to somebody would be, would you like to... Um, do you feel comfortable that you could pay out of pocket or do you have health insurance? Okay. Um, that you could use. So if somebody has, they say, well, let me try my health insurance first because I know it'll be free through that. Um, then I say, okay, so that's going to direct you to your health insurance and you'll want to ask for a list of providers that are already in contract with them. And then you'll have a nice list of people that already take your insurance. It'll wow. be, and you can go ahead and do that, Um, right? Then there's people that maybe don't have insurance and they maybe also are low income. That's when I would direct somebody to call the number 211, at least in California. It's a resource hotline that you can ask about for um, food banks, uh, homeless shelters. Um, Also, you can ask for low income counseling and it'll usually be based on, on the income scale. So a sliding scale. So you pay sort of based on how much you earn. So it'll often be quite affordable. Um, There's um, a lot of good listings in the San Francisco Bay Area here where we are, where there's some listings online for free therapy in Berkeley. Um, There's a lot of little things um, that go, that that are available and free. And then, um, you know, if you want somebody that's really specialized in something to work on, perhaps somebody who is specialized, for example, in obsessive compulsive disorder is a very um, uh, specific issue that that has uh, needs a lot of training in the practitioner to really help somebody resolve that then you know you may find yourself spending more for therapy um, it's always good to ask a therapist Do you have a sliding scale um, some therapists don't offer it or they don't advertise it but they do it um, so if somebody has on their website that their session is 150 dollars and it's like well how am i going to go there every week um, right um, just to be to be frank um, you know you might call and just say hi do you offer sliding scale do you offer uh lower fees for students or for um you know folks who are low income a lot of times a therapist will say yes i'm, I'm happy to take on a a, a, a special case wow. um yeah like um, i would never imagine that yeah and and therapists want to help we're, we're in this profession to help so you know in my practice right now i'm expensive i gotta be honest i am expensive <laughs> So um, right. <laughs> I have to be honest, because I, I charge what I believe I'm worth. And also that's according to my my training and my, my experience. Um, however, um, you know, since the, the most recent uh, issues uh, regarding the police brutality that has hit the news, um, it has been going on far b- before the news uh, got it. But, um, It has been um, really stressful for a lot of people and um, I thought to myself, I wish I could do something. I can't fix police. I'm just one person. I can't, I don't know, do some sort of kumbaya in the middle of the street, right? Um, This is a serious issue um, going on for a long time. And, you know, the black community has been just so oppressed and and mistreated for so long. And um, I said to myself, okay, so what's something I can do? Um, how can I do my part to find healing for this community? So I put up a social media post not that long ago that offered free therapy sessions to anyone that identifies as Black, and that can be you know different ethnicities or heritage. Um, anyone that identifies as Black, and you can talk about the police brutality issues or just other things in your life. So I offered five free sessions to three different people that answered the ad. Um, yeah, and you know, it's really cool. Um, I, I try to do something like that once a year. Um, I think it was uh, last year or the year before when there was the shooting at the um, uh, the LGBT nightclub in Florida? Was it in Florida? Yeah. Uh, um, I offered uh, free therapy sessions to anyone that identifies as a person of color, part of the LGBT
0: community,
1: and I had uh, three people answer as well. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah and then i also you know and so i i kind of mix in these things where i i want to just i don't need a low income fee just just come just it's free okay just i want to do something um, i want to do something good and i try to do something like that every year to really feel like at least i'm using my skills to give back you know to folks that otherwise wouldn't be able to use my services just based on the fee
0: that's so amazing especially because you think that with health care you should be covered or oh I'm not covered therefore I'll just manage it my <laughs> own way and here we go we have actual proof that licensed therapists are providing services for uh, on a sliding scale or for free which is amazing it's and I really love that you do it in connection to traumatic events that are happening like I'm not in Florida, but that shooting may have affected me, you know what I mean? And so paying attention and you having the wherewithal to to say, hey, there are other people that may be impacted or triggered by this happening to something that ha- has happened to them, or just be triggered by it and need, maybe in need of my services. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, And I love that you have high prices because yes, you should know your worth,
1: like, <laughs> yes, Everyone, you know,
0: add a dollar, add a hundred dollars to
1: your prices. I think as women, we are so used to being paid less than men. Um, we are used to saying, um, uh, "How much does the job pay?" and then taking that um, instead of saying, "Well, you know, let's negotiate a little bit more." You know, we're as women, we often just take what's offered to us um, instead of negotiating or requesting more. So. I, I am on the higher end of uh, the fees, but I also, um, I, I can back it up with the quality of service that I provide. People are um, in my services and out of my services uh, fast. So, you know, one could, you know, consider that they may go to see a therapist, with moderate range services and go forever, just sessions and sessions and nothing's happening. Yeah, my style of working is yes it's expensive however we're going to start getting changes from the first session and you should notice a change every single session and you should be out of here because this is not supposed to be forever this is supposed to be a stop in your life yes um, yes take, yeah
0: <laughs> i just love that you said that because You often see in movies and and on TV, like, oh, I've been going to my therapist for four years. You're not supposed to. Like, you were supposed to go address the issues that you're facing, get tools to work out those problems, and then adjust your life. Then when you face new obstacles and new issues, you may go back and get new tools. Like, it's not supposed to be this, like, staple in your life forever, unless you need it and you have underlying issues and you're facing new things all the time and you feel like you you need those tools and you are evolving but you can't just not evolve and just absolutely I mean, I your money <laughs> but like absolutely
1: uh, but there's different types of therapy i suppose and I, I like to provide treatment treatment is different than talk therapy talk therapy is really just what it sounds like um just talking Maybe it's supportive and helpful, um, but it doesn't pr- provoke a change in somebody. It doesn't provoke healing or treatment um, of a condition of some sort. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I prefer – I have um, – my logo is has a hummingbird on it, um, and I chose that because hummingbirds are often uh, buzzing around and flying around. They're real cute and little and they stop on flowers um, briefly to drink the nectar, uh, just briefly, right? And they get what they need and then they still see you again another time. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, uh, for my clients <laughs> I love that. Yeah, love that.
0: But so what is next for Grace and Eastberry therapy?
1: Ooh, good question. Well, um, most recently, uh, I became t- so busy that I had to hire an assistant so now um now, yeah, I know I was uh <laughs> come a long way right so um yeah, so I've, I became so busy that I had to hire an assistant to help with all of the calls and emails and um scheduling things like that, I just couldn't um see clients and answer the phone and, uh, return 10 voicemails and, and all of those things in one day. Oh, yeah. And then for, uh, remember to eat lunch too. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I think that as, um, the business becomes more uh busy i may um take on an intern um perhaps uh who's earning their hours towards their license right they have to earn a certain amount of hours um and maybe i'll, I'll take somebody under my wing and have them work out of my office too and and guide them a little bit and the way i work and share some of my skills with them to, to help that the, this therapist kind of become um, uh, more skilled and, and matured. So I'm interested in that. I'm interested in in taking little little hummingbirds under my wing Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. It's so important to give back
0: and so important to share what we've learned. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. You know. Oh my
0: goodness. Thank you so much, Grace. We'll have to have you back. You're amazing.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye Grace. <laughs>
0: Hi guys, thank you so much for tuning in to our slay hour. I just wanna say all the information you heard here is true. You may need therapy, you may not need it forever, you may need it for a short amount of time, but invest in yourself, know your worth, and if you do need therapy, you can take the resources that Grace uh, outlined and find yourself the right therapist for you. Thank you so much, you guys.